Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Jeff Horvath, CEO and co-founder at Digiply. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Greg. Glad to be here. So to start off, let's give people a quick idea of your background and your perspective. We're going to be talking about compliance. I know everybody's favorite topic, but there's a lot that we need to do. And Jeff, you're kind of in a unique position to be able to shed some insight on this. Let's start by talking about where you're coming from. Sure. Thanks, Greg. So I spent about the last 25 years supporting financial institutions in a legal, regulatory, or compliance capacity. I started at some law firms in New York. I joined Deutsche Bank. I spent 15 years with them, various senior compliance roles, working in the US, the UK, and Germany. I left Deutsche Bank to become the chief compliance officer of Fitch Rating Agency, and I ran their global team there for three years. But I really wanted to build my own business. And I learned a lot about what worked and what didn't work from a compliance perspective over the course of my career. And when you couple that with the advances I was seeing in technology, the decentralization of finance, changes in how consumers transact, I saw a lot of opportunities. And that led us to launch Digiply, which is short for digital compliance. And we're in what's called the RegTech space. And our mission is to provide support to smaller to mid-sized financial institutions to help them manage their customer onboarding and anti-money laundering programs in a way that's automated, efficient, and can save them time while they're reducing risk. Excellent. So, you know, people do tend to joke around in the fintech space about compliance and sort of some people sort of look at it as a, in the butt of some jokes or something onerous that you, you know, have to deal with. But, you know, it, it's not necessarily something people are always eager to talk about, but it's really vital to make sure that you get it exactly right. I'm interested in your experience as the head of central compliance at Deutsche Bank. You know, you've got a really unique perspective, but, but let's start by recognizing some of the biggest challenges that banks and fintechs are facing right now in the compliance space. What sort of a immediately jumps to mind there? The biggest challenge that fintechs and other financial institutions are facing is complying with the anti-money laundering laws. They're complex, they're challenging, they're constantly evolving, and the downside can be huge. But you hit upon an interesting point, which is the role of compliance in an organization, how that's changed, how it's perceived. The problem at the end of the day is that compliance doesn't contribute to revenue, which can lead to difficult discussions. If you're a startup, if you have investors, it's really about how do you balance that regulatory risk uh, against the need to demonstrate growth to investors and there you have uh, aggressive targets that you need to meet. So there's that, that, that constant dialogue. Sure. And I think one of the interesting things here, because it's only a source of potential pain in some sense, right? You either you spend money and time becoming compliant or you end up getting hit with fines uh, and spending money that way. So there's this kind of uh, juxtaposition where you have to sort of decide, you know, how much effort do I want to spend here? How much am I willing to, you know, risk am I willing to accept within the likelihood that a fine comes through? You know, we were kind of joking around before we pushed record here that maybe more important than actually being compliant 
was being perceived as having tried hard enough to be compliant. You know, if you can demonstrate that you're working on it, that you're trying, you've got the systems in place. If you get hit with a fine, it might not be as, as bad as if you were in a position where you say, you know, I haven't done anything. I haven't tried at all. Then that's when regulators can really start to, to get upset. Does that ring true to you? This idea that maybe it's, it's more important to having been perceived as having tried hard than actually getting to that 100% compliance standpoint? I think there's a lot of truth in that, Greg. And really, one of the factors that regulators will be looking at when they are assessing a compliance program, or more particularly, when they find something's wrong and assessing a fine, is how reasonable you were in trying to achieve the stated goals of the act. And if you took some reasonable steps, you implemented some reasonable policies, you tried to follow those policies, maybe you failed, but you tried. And being able to demonstrate that you tried and that your attempt was credible and reasonable will go a long way in reducing the penalty. It might not eliminate it, but it'll definitely be a mitigating factor. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, there, there is a little bit of gamesmanship here where you say, okay, I have to show that I've really tried at the same time, you know, maybe it's okay if I don't get it exactly right, as long as I'm operating in what can be perceived as being good faith. Um, I think we'll probably come back to that. But I also want to turn our attention now to the AMLA Act that just got passed last year, and how that's going to change things. You know, what are what are the big things that you're seeing and you're predicting that are going to come as a result of that new piece of legislation? Well, I'd say two big things are coming out of that, and these are both highlighted as priorities of the current administration. One has to do with the beneficial ownership of companies. So who owns a company in the United States? There's tens of millions of companies. The U.S. has been criticized internationally for the opaque nature of the ownership of companies to be used in money laundering. So FinCEN, which is the chief enforcement arm for the anti-money laundering laws has been tasked with setting up a database to manage and to update the corporate registry of U.S. companies. And that's going to be very important to law firms, excuse me, to uh, law enforcement, but also very important to the banks and, and others that need to play in the space. So one of them is beneficial ownership. Another interesting one, though, has to do with cryptocurrencies. And there has been a long running debate in the industry as to whether cryptocurrencies are considered money subject to the anti-money laundering laws. And the AMLA 2020, which is the act that was passed back in January, just put that to bed. So there's no longer dispute. Cryptocurrencies are subject to the AML laws, full stop. So that in and of itself doesn't change things all that much because most of the industry was operating in that fashion anyway. But what is most telling is one, the administration highlighted this as a priority, but it's also interesting that the former head of FinCEN just left to go to private practice, um, but the new head of FinCEN um, used to be the chief technology officer of a company called Chain Analysis. And that is a blockchain analysis company widely used by governments as well as financial institutions to detect potential fraudulent activity in the cryptocurrency space or money laundering using cryptocurrencies. So I think that appointment really highlights the administration's focus on cryptocurrency. 
two interesting things to highlight there that uh, maybe shouldn't be newsworthy, but are. But the first one, when you get a piece of legislation that kind of codifies something that we all sort of already know, cryptocurrency is in fact currency. You got to love that. Legislators don't usually <laughs> get that, right? And the fact that it's actually put somebody with some tech knowledge in a position to oversee some of this, I think is also a, a welcome departure from how things have have necessarily gone. So, you know, I, I'm really kind of uh, happy to highlight those two pieces there and, and just say, hey, every once in a while, there are some common sense things that that happen in our government. Um, so, you know, looking at, you know, and obviously on this podcast, we've got a lot of listeners who are coming from a fintech background, kind of a startup background. As that group thinks about their products initially and looks at, you know, getting into compliance, which is not necessarily a strong suit for people who are innovating, you know, what, what should those early stage fintech companies be doing or at least thinking about as they start to look at compliance as something that they need to really pay attention to? What they should be thinking about is the trajectory of their company and where they expect to be and what they expect to need in the next several years. And having worked in a startup and, and working in a startup myself, I know there's always that, if you will, focus on let's just find something that fixes the current problem and then moves on to the next. And I've seen this time and time again with fintechs, and they will identify a potential AML issue, and they'll insert a vendor product to solve that issue. They'll identify a different issue, they'll insert another vendor product, and it goes on and on and on. And what that does is it creates a patchwork of loosely connected systems that can become a nightmare to integrate, nightmare to manage, you're dealing with multiple vendors, and things slip through the cracks. And then what happens, fast forward three or four years, you'll have a chief compliance officer comes in uh, and they end up dismantling the whole thing and trying to build something a little bit more holistic that sticks together and that really works as a whole. And that would really be what I ask people or encourage people to think about, look to where you want to be and be a little bit more strategic instead of just plugging holes when you find those holes. And it's so easy to fall into that because as a, you know, as you know, you're in a startup now yourself, you know, there's a lot of problems that pop up and you kind of just need to problem solve, problem solve, problem solve and, and plug holes wherever you find them. But I think, you know, to your point, the more you can look down the road, the more um, you can kind of plan out a broader strategy, the easier it's going to be when you get to a point where you are in that growth mode, where you do start to, you know, three, four years down the line, um, you're in that position where you're really firing all cylinders, you get that chief compliance officer, somebody in that in that same kind of space, um, making their life easy, making it possible for them to really do their best work. You know, this, this brings up an interesting point, you know, looking three you know, to five years down the road, what do you think the future holds for compliance as an industry? You know, where do you think we go from here based on what you've seen over the last couple of years? So Greg, I think we see a continuation of the same trend. And that trend is the convergence of technology and operations and compliance, and really looking at those three pieces together. And so it's going to be a little bit difficult to, to tease them apart. The more sophisticated financial institutions are already traveling down that road. And what that means is there's less manual tasks being performed. There's more reliance on sophisticated algorithms. And there are better tools capable of achieving results 
that are efficient, that are effective. And what that means is the compliance officer and compliance staff can take a step back. They can look at those big picture items. They can see what's happening in the horizon. They can work with senior management as they roll out new products and strategies. So I think that's gonna be a change is, is leveraging technology to replace a lot of what were manual processes. And in some firms still are very manual processes. Yeah, and this is, this lines up well with what we've seen on the Finnovate stage, certainly a lot of companies bringing technology into this space in a variety of different ways. And I think that can only be a good thing for long-term overall compliance standards. You know, will, will those technologies, and this I think is probably our last question, will those technologies get us to a point where, you know, at some point it's no longer good enough to say, hey, I tried, and to simply being perceived as having tried your hardest. Are we going to get to a point where you can now say, actually, we have the tools, we, we have the technology to be able to really do this well. It's no longer acceptable to just try. You have to actually raise your game here. We've been seeing that a lot over the past year or so, where regulators are consistently saying that relying on manual reviews of spreadsheets just does not work. They can, you know, the most recent pronouncement by um, SEC or, or FINRA was that it's unreasonable to try to take that approach. And really, that is a recognition that there are tools out there that can achieve a lot of what is required under the regulation. And it becomes an expectation from the regulator's standpoint that if there is a tool there that can solve this problem, you should have that tool. So the bar as to what is acceptable and what is reasonable has risen and it will continue to rise as technology advances. I think, again, I think that word reasonable is, is a good one there. I think you're right. It is it is um, unreasonable to expect you can catch some of these pieces with without using the technology at your disposal. And, and man, I guess in this one, we're three for three now in terms of kind of common sense decisions coming out of the regulators from the government side of things, which is, is very rare. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really fascinating. And I think for people who aren't comfortable or aren't necessarily happy talking about this, it's, it's really important that you don't shy away from it. It's important that you think about it. It's something that can absolutely come up and bite you if you're not careful. So um, I, I really appreciate you sharing with our listeners some of your insights and some of your thoughts. Greg, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.